Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us for the big match preview here as we build up to Aston Villa to come on Saturday in the Premier League for the battle for Europe. Not the battle for Europe we all wanted or the competition we all wanted, but Spurs still involved in some form of a battle for Europe. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're across all major audio platforms. We're of course on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs, we're on Facebook and Instagram too, and joining me on this show, I'm joined back alongside me by the wonderful regular Ricky J. Norwood, back on Last Word on Spurs. Joining myself and Ricks, we're joined by the wonderful returning heart-hitting opinions, Christina Zandes, back on the show, and also Georgia Killia, back on Last Word on Spurs. So there you go, great panel in store, lots to talk about during the show. We'll be discussing, dissecting Ryan Mason's new tactical system that he put in place of Palace at the weekend in which Spurs got his first win in his second tenure in charge of the football club. We'll be also reflecting on Spurs' search for a new manager and director of football simultaneously. We'll be discussing Harry Kane's comments in regards to the culture at Tottenham and what simply has to change before we build ahead to Aston Villa to come on Saturday. But before we get into all that, George, I am going to open up the show with you. Now, one thing that has been labelled at Tottenham in the last, what, nine, ten months is how predictable Spurs are, both in terms of selection and also tactically. So it was, I think, refreshing as much as the game was forgettable to see Ryan Mason make a number of key changes to the side. Obviously, the first one was seeing Eric Dyer drop from the team. Of course, Ryan, during his last stint as caretaker or interim manager, was he got the term of Ryan Mates on for always selecting his mates. So the call to drop Eric Dyer was a big one. And Ryan Mason certainly did not shirk that. The other surprise was, of course, seeing Emerson Royale back into the team and how well he did upon his return. And again, you have to say Pedro Porro really impressing in a Tottenham shirt. And we have to put that down to 
the actual tactical adjustment that Ryan made to the team. Because when Spurs had the ball, they switched to more of a 3-4-3. But with Everson on the right of the back three and Ben Davis pushing high up down the left-hand side. And you have to say, he had a week to work with the players. It looked like a tactical masterclass, to be fair. Again, I know it's only Crystal Palace. Again, I know it's coming towards the end of the season. You could argue that, you know, the players were on the beach to some degree. But it was refreshing to see Spurs do something different and get a result. So give me your thoughts, George, if you can, on that new system Ryan has implemented and your thoughts overall on the back of that win against Palace, which of course was Ryan's first win in charge, second time around. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't the most exciting game in the world. But what I liked about it is that sitting there throughout the whole match, I was never really that worried about Palace during the game. And I think that is credits where Mason set the set the team up. I was very surprised to see both Poro and Emerson Emerson playing. When it like first came out, I assumed he was gonna Emerson was gonna play right centre back. Um and I felt like he was it was gonna be fairly similar to Conte where he would defend with a five. But what I noticed that most of the time it actually seemed to be more of a four four two when we're defending and then attacking it sort of seemed to be just a three and both Davis and Poro were getting forward, which I think it was quite nice to have something a little bit different. And it meant that we were pressing them quite high up. I know Mason said it himself about trying to keep, you know, keep them in their own half and not let them come into our final third. So, yeah, it was just nice to watch, to be honest with you. I felt fairly in, con- in control during the match. And playing both Emerson and Poro, I think, just, you know, plays to both their strengths. I think it's not, well, it's quite common knowledge that Poro's got great attacking ability, but defensively can be a bit of a liability. And it's almost the exact opposite for Emerson. And I thought Emerson had an incredible game throughout a complete defensive rock alongside Romero in the middle. So yeah, it was just, it was just a nice game to be honest with you. Fairly simple win for us. Christina bringing you in. Loves to be back on last one on Spurs. And I've alluded to it there. We had a number of really good performances from the players in what was actually a real good team performance from Tottenham. We saw the work of Sonny defensively. who worked ever so hard for the team. Of course, your favourite Emerson Roy that came back in almost like he'd never been away and played ever so well. Pedro Porro, another decent performance for him. Nachi Harry came will take the headlines by yet another headline goal and another landmark moment for him during his Tottenham career. But for Ryan, again, he'll feel vindicated. It was a really good setup, which in the end got Spurs the points. I'd love to get your thoughts on the overall game, how you feel it's gone in terms of Ryan's second time around. And also whether we should have now some real optimism in terms of the final three games remaining for Tottenham. Emerson Royale, I don't know how he didn't get man of the match for that game. I thought he was unbelievable. And I'm so glad that he's back and everyone's loving him again. And um, Pedro Porro as well. I really, really see some huge potential in that guy. Um, I think he's going to be a massive player for us next season. Um, just the, that assist from Kane um, was, to Kane, sorry, was unbelievable. It's good potential, but at the end of the day, I just think Mason's just here just to finish the season for us. Hopefully he can finish as great as he can. Rick's coming over to you. One thing that Ryan was very much alluding to the fact that it was lovely to actually have that full week to prepare on the training ground with the players, which probably enabled him to be able to work on a different system in which we saw the players really revel in that. Again, look, it was only 1-0 against Crystal Palace. It wasn't the most star-studded, the most blossoming, blowout performance. But I think you saw a group of players that were ultimately fighting for the manager, looking to prove a point. You know, Christian Romero, another player that stood out during that game as having one of his best performances since the World Cup. Many would say that wasn't hard given how 
poor he's been really since then. I would again actually say on that point that you have to look at the players surrounding him. And with no disrespect to Eric Dyer, I think leaving him out, you saw the difference in that Spurs team. They seemed a lot more confident. They seemed a lot more structured at the back. Clement Longley, of course, was a big, big help in that game as well. So, intrigued to get your thoughts, Rick, on what you made of that performance against Palace and whether you feel this new tactical system that Ryan's put in place was a real benefit to the players and it could really drive them on now in these final remaining games of the season. Rick's and the panel and everybody listening. I've actually got fed up of being angry and upset with my team. Like, I, I love loving my team. I love trying to find a bit of positivity. I love trying to find a new angle to look at things. You know, not we're not going to win every game. Not every game is going to go our way. What I was really uh, impressed by uh, Mason on the weekend is that, firstly, he dropped Dyer. Now, I don't want to criticise Dyer and, and kind of put everything on his shoulders right now. Um, but... With his form and with his performances, he deserved to be dropped, at least rested or whatever the case may be. Do you know what I mean? And the fact that he'd done that, switched, switched to a more comfortable kind of back four, back three, you know, with Romero in the centre of that, um, Royale on the right right side and, and Longley as well. I, I think we haven't really seen the best of Longley because... It, the back three has been so disjointed and there's been so many goals conceded. So uh, to see Romero and, and um, Longley playing alongside each other, I think we got to see a bit more of what, Romero, uh, what Longley can bring to this Tottenham side, especially if we are going to sign him. And he actually dropped uh, Kulazewski, which has been a mainstay for a long time. And again, he's been out of form. So to put Richarlison up, up, up there, and to have, like, Sonny whipping down the wing, up and down, left, right, and centre, as well, the attacking as well as defensive. Poro with his crosses as well, and his attacking flair. I, I, it, it was nice to see. And um, I know a lot are saying that it's, it, it was a boring game. It was a boring 1-0. But, I mean, after the last three games that we've played, you know, after conceding 15 goals in, in 15 minutes, do you know what I mean? Like combined, I don't know what it was, but it was a ton of it was a ton of goals, and uh, that we shipped in. So to see us be a bit solid, a bit resilient, to see us playing high up the field, to, uh, and not everything was right. You know, uh, they've only had a week to kind of prepare for that that game against Palace. But you, for me, there were definitely green shoots there. And and on Mason, you know, he's a Tottenham boy through and through. He's been he's he's been assistant to um, and seen a lot of the the good that's happened at Tottenham under Poch. You know, he was a player under Poch, but he believes in what, what the ethos that Poch brought to the table. He's also worked alongside Mauricio and now Conte. We won't mention Nuno, um, but so you you could see that. The, 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 him as a assistant coach or as a manager, he had ideas. He, he wanted to do things the Tottenham way. And it's only the beginning. But, um, you know, especially when we was linked to a company, I, I would have preferred Mason over company, you know, just because he, he, he is Tottenham through and through, because he would love to have that job, because he would he would do everything in his power to kind of bring that Tottenham way back. And we've been a mishmash of a team for the last four seasons. You know, ever since Poch left, we've been a mishmash of a team. We didn't know, we, we haven't had no clear ideas. We haven't had no clear way of playing. We haven't had no ethos and this word culture that keeps coming up. And I think he, he's been a, a, a great kind of calming influence and a great kind of person to 
to start to seed those things that we attribute as Tottenham Hotspur back into that side. You know, Conte said with his selfish comments a long time ago, um, and he directed that towards the players. But if you've got no clear direction, how is anybody supposed to pull together and go in one direction? How are you supposed to pull on the same rope? If if, if there's so many different ideas and it's everything's going awry, well, you're only going to pull when you want to pull on that rope, isn't you? And sometimes, it, you know, you can take two days off and be like, yeah, well, he's pulling it today. You know what I mean? He, he got the praise from the manager or he keeps getting a start. Why am I pulling? Why am I pulling? And I think with Mason, he's at least he's brought the side back together again. At least you can see them playing for for him. And at least you can see them trying new stuff and, 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 and holding some of those uh, players that are out of form accountable, as in dropping them and putting somebody else in there. That's all we've asked for all season. So for me, even though it was a boring game, I thought it was a fantastic game because that's exactly what we needed. We needed to see the back line be solid. We needed a keeper in there that could play with his feet, but was also ready for the, the, the shot-stopping saves. The midfield is Komsi Komsa, but, um, you know, at least we got to see that attacking play from us, you know? And we got a 1-0 um, win, and it was a very kind of vital win. I think it's an important win for the end of the season and whatever we can achieve with what the end of the season brings. You know, it's interesting, George, coming over to you. Obviously, a a lot has been made in terms of Mason's second tenure and arguably whether, had he been given the job at the time when Stellini got it, would Spurs still be in a potential race for a Champions League finish? Now, again, this debate always sparks um, a lot of different you know, confliction and same say confrontation amongst some fans. Do you think George Mason and what he's done so far, do you think he deserves to be in the conversation for the next manager? Look, I think he definitely deserves to be in the conversation at least, but just for me personally, I don't think he, he should be number one choice. Um, I think mainly it's a shame because like you said, if, if he came in as the manager straight away when, uh, when Stellini was appointed, we might have had a better understanding of how maybe Mason reacts to certain games. Like obviously, it was amazing to come back uh, to get the draw in the end against Man U and potentially could have won that game as well. Um, and then good to see a sort of tactical change in the Palace game. Um, but unfortunately, I just don't feel like we have enough games yet to sort of really test him to see how he reacts in certain situations. And I feel like knowing us as, you know, being Spurs fans, we're not exactly the most patient at the moment, especially. I think it's it's a really big ask for him to come in as the full-time manager, to have the whole fan base back him for the next few years. Because look, even if you look at Arteta, who managed to learn under Pep, took him three years really to properly get that Arsenal team ticketing, mm-hmm. and with a lot of money as well, by the way. Um I just personally would like to... It's a tough one because you want to just stick around, but at the end of the day, for him to become a top manager, I think he sort of needs to almost earn his flowers elsewhere and actually see if he can implement his ideas in other clubs um, rather than, you know, maybe just sticking around as an assistant and he might not have as much of a voice as assistant at our club. Um, and maybe some way down the line, he could come back as a Spurs, as a Spurs manager. Who knows? But I think right now it just might be a bit too soon considering where we want our club to be pretty soon. I, I just don't know if we have the time for him to be able to learn from his mistakes and then build from it again and then bring in new players. So, um, yeah, I think, it, look, it, it was great to see him try something different and it worked well. 
Um, I just think he needs more time to really, truly develop his managerial skills. And I'll be happy to see him in the future as a Spurs manager. But I think just me personally right now, I'd rather have someone a little bit more experienced um, uh, in the summer. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to come over to you, Christina. You, you could argue that definitely in relation to Enoch and Daniel Levy, that ultimately the stock is probably the lowest ever been in terms of support at the moment. And therefore, it does feel that obviously maybe going for someone like a Ryan Mason, is that a massive, massive gamble given some of the, you'd say, arguably established more names out there that you feel, I think as a fan base, you know, we have, I call them the Twitter fan base that would like the glamorous names that would essentially, you know, you do believe they would bring you success, but there's no guarantee to that. Spurs have had Jose Mourinho, they've had Antonio Conte, and here we are still waiting for a trophy. Arguably, like I say, it was supposed to become under Pochettino. What do you feel for you, Christian, in terms of Ryan Mason? Do you feel it is arguably just too soon and Spurs will need to go with a more established name given the current status and state of the club right now and the disconnection with the fan base? You know what? We've had the big names at our club and it clearly just doesn't work for us at all. And with all these big managers that have come in, they have failed at Tottenham, of course. You know, and it's to me... I feel that we need someone similar to Mason because I want someone to look at and watch us play and see exactly what each individual can do and set them up to what is suited for that for those players. Um, I just don't think we I don't think we can have a manager that is strict on you know with how just their system. We need to have a manager that wants to look at us and. and build a system for, for individually for those players that they know is going to work for them. Um, someone like Mason is too early, in my opinion. If he went elsewhere and did, I don't know, two two years of managing another team elsewhere, and then maybe potentially he could come back. But that's why, for me, I felt like Vincent Company would have been a great opportunity for us. It's someone that we need to... It's just someone that needs to just care about the club, I feel like just care about the players I don't know what it is it's just this strict system with all the big managers that we've had in the past it just doesn't work out for us it it hasn't and they've come in and they've failed it's just it's to me it's a bit of an embarrassment for for all of us um so someone literally company would have I felt would have been absolutely great in my opinion he's had that he's got Burnley he you know they've now promoted to the Premier League, and I felt like that could have been a great opportunity for us to have got someone like him. But for Mason, I think go and get some more experience and then hope maybe for the future he could potentially be another man new manager. Um, and I, I, I would happily have him. Um, just, yeah, it's too early for me. It's interesting with Mason because, again, you know, the guy is, what, he's 31. I think Arteta was, you know, in his 40s when he took the Arsenal job. We can't discount the fact that, obviously, Ryan's career was cut massively short from a plan perspective of what happened to him with that head collision. He would argue, obviously, he's done a lot of coaching already in experience. He's had five years behind him. He's been around the likes of Nuno, for whatever that was worth, uh, Conte, of course, and Jose. He would have learned a lot, you know, during that period. And I've made that argument with Ryan that also would have seen a lot of what was wrong. And again, my worry is that, you know, he's been around a lot of losing managers and losing periods. And again, my worry is, you know, it's hard as George, I think, you know, referred to it there. I've not seen enough period of games to really test him to really work out if he's quite ready yet. I know many feel that maybe we're losing someone special by not appointing him right now. But I think the argument is that where Tottenham are at the moment and the calibre of players they've got, I look at the likes of Romero, Benson Core, Adoji coming in as well. 
you know, Hummin Son, Harry Kane. I know obviously Harry's a close friend of Ryan's, but you do need to have someone there that I think has got the ultimate respect for the players. I know, again, I'm contradicting what I say here because you've had Conte and Mourinho and how has that worked out? But I also am of the opinion that I just think it's too early for Mason. I do agree that it would have been great to have seen him got the job at the time when Stellini got it, where he would have got a decent run of games. And you would actually see how he would have been fared then into a battle for the Champions League, which Spurs would have still been in. You know, Spurs would have been in that race for the Champions League because at a point where Stellini was given the job, Spurs were in that race. So it is unfortunately one of those things where, look, everyone will have different opinions. We shall see, of course, how Ryan gets on those last three games and Ritz come back in there for us. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say, um, you know, I was speak. I won't mention which legend I was speaking to, but um, when I went down to the Man United game, I managed to speak to a Spurs legend, and I was we were speaking about uh, the managerial situation, and the one thing that he said was wrong, um, and what's going to ride the last couple of years is that we've had big time managers come in with big ideas, but the one thing that they've done as soon as they've come in, and this is being Mourinho and Conte especially, um, is they haven't embedded themselves in the Tottenham way or the Tottenham style or the Tottenham ethos or philosophy or our history. They've actually kind of ripped everything up and they've tried to force their their ways and their systems and their philosophy on us. Now there is always when we was, when I was speaking to this legend, there was always um, uh, a bit of kind of adaptation, right? So you can you can bring what you're bringing, but also if you knew the history and you knew the philosophy of how we like to play and and in what style we like to play it, and have an actual Tottenham philosophy, and then you tweak it, you kind of tweak it with your own ideas and your own discipline and your own ways, then maybe we would have seen a bit more success. But the fact that these the the managers that have come in, the high profile managers, they've they've kind of they've kind of turned their nose up at, at, at the, the quote-unquote Tottenham way and just kind of tried to do it theirs, and it just hasn't worked. And I think that's a, that's a big thing as well with the next manager that does come in. I mean, I totally agree with you all in the sense of it, it's probably too early for May to take the reins. But for somebody who is embedded in the club, it, look, to me, Company didn't inspire me. Zabi Alonso doesn't inspire me. Uh, Enrique doesn't really inspire me. Arnie Slot doesn't inspire me. The only two that I was ever interested in was Pochettino, number one. And then if we can't get him, then Nagelsmann, because Nagelsmann for me ticks every single box going. Now, if we don't, if we don't get any of those two, then my thing is this, are we going to be wasting an extra year or two with a manager that comes in and does the same thing as Conte and Mourinho that comes in doesn't embed themselves, doesn't know any of the philosophy, history and everything else that I just said and comes in and goes, right, this is what we're doing and kind of tries to force his way on us again. And then what happens then? Are we just wasting time until somebody comes up? So with the people on the list that I'm I'm not personally inspired by, if it ain't for Nagelsmann, then to kind of learn on the job with Mason, somebody who does really love this club, okay? And and I've mentioned this a couple of times. he done the High Performance podcast. And it, I, I kind of implore everybody to go and just listen to that, just because he is a Tottenham boy through and through. But you'll get to learn about his journey, his mindset, what, what kind of, um, what rings true to him. He, he, he talks about energy. He talks about attitude. He talks about wanting to be there, playing the dream. He speaks about when he had birthdays and he blew out the candles. He used to dream of playing and scoring for Tottenham. 
these are the things, do you know what I mean? And also <clears throat> with the managers that he's worked under and alongside, including Nuno, he is already seen what mistakes that they've made and, and where they've gone wrong. So they've all made the mistakes for him. And he, of course, as a young manager, whatever happens, he's going to make mistakes. And that's the way that he learns. But somebody who is a Tottenham boy through and through, that has all of those things that I listed, philosophy, history, way, do you know what I mean? Want, you know, he wants to be there. He wants to achieve. He wants to do something different. And he, he's holding people to account as well. He's not just doing Ryan mates on. Die is a mate of his. Played alongside him, worked alongside him. He's been there for a long time. That is a hard decision to make, to drop Eric Dyer. But he done it. So he's showing us that there is a bit about him. And if it comes down to, to not the top two choices, Pochettino, probably Guy and Chelsea, Nagelsmann, who knows right now, a bit up in the air. If it ain't those two, then I, I would kind of take learning on the job with Ryan Mason, somebody who is entrenched in all of that way and would work tirelessly to, to, to give us the success and the brand of football that we want. Listen, it's a impassioned speech there, Rick. It really, really is. I think, again, with Ryan, it's one of those where we'll see, obviously, where the season goes and how it ends. We're going to touch back on the managerial debate and director of football debate a bit later in the show. But what we are going to do next, <coughs> we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners and audio. And taking me into that break, you're going to hear an interview from Harry Kane, who discusses the culture at Tottenham. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I think on the pitch, you know, I always give 110%. I always give my all for the team and the club. Uh, I think off the pitch, you know, to have those conversations with the chairman and with the staff here and try and give my opinion on, um, you know, some of the things that I think can help us uh, just be more consistent and more successful in the culture that we try and set. Uh, I feel like as, from a culture point of view, we've been too up and down uh, over the last few years. So uh, in any great team, in any winning team, you know, they have a way of doing things and whoever comes in or who's added to that, they, they kind of fit in straight away and know the standards. Um, ours have been a little bit loose, I feel like, and um, yeah, we need to find a way to, to create that environment that, that drives uh, success. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. 
These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. George, let's come over to you to open up this debate. Now, of course, Harry Kane has stated that he wants to help Spurs be more consistent and successful in the culture at the football club. Now, this interview with Harry comes on the back of a course becoming the second highest ever goal scorer in the Premier League on 209 goals in just 317 appearances. He also broke two further records on the back of the weekend's game against Palace where he became the first ever player to score 10-headed goals in a Premier League season and the only player to net 100 goals both home and away in league games. Now, Kane again insisted that he would like to see the culture of the club change. He thinks, again, that's a lot to do with his own teammates as well as the standards dropping at Tottenham over the course of these last two, three years since the departure of Maurizio Pochettino. Give me your thoughts, George, on what you made of the interview from Harry and if you do genuinely feel that this is a step in the right direction where Harry is almost hinting that he'll remain at the football club. Listen, I think he's got a screw loose in his head because it sounds like he wants to be with us forever, which is just <laughs> which is just mental. Like, I, I love this guy to bits, man. And look, look, part of me is part of me is a little bit pessimistic that it's maybe him trying to make up a little bit for the whole Man City saga, where you know he sort of you know didn't turn up to training, whatever. Um, I don't know if he's maybe more going the other way and trying to make it seem like he is like, oh, well, is proper Spurs before potentially maybe departing in the summer. Um, but look, at the end of the day, he's like grown up with the club um, and with his family as the club. And I think he genuinely does care about Spurs, whether he is going to be here or not. So I think at the end of the day, I would love, we need to make sure that we can be able to keep Kane, but still obviously grow, grow the club um, and bring back the whole, you know, like everyone's saying the Spurs way and the philosophy back and maybe the more, uh, attacking style football that the fans will enjoy, but also will help us get results as well. And um, it, he just seems quite passionate about where we are. And I'm, I'm hoping that he maybe does get to have a chat with uh, a proper chat with Levy during the, uh, during the preseason and maybe see if, you know, see if things can be a little bit different. Uh, we say this every year, but <laughs> at the end of the day, like Kane is, he's obviously, he's getting a bit older. He's probably, wants to be rooted in the club more and thinking about his career in the future. And um, I think if there's a man to get behind when effectively starting this rebuild that we need to do, then I think that there's no reason why it can't be him through and through. Whether that's the case of having to bring in the right manager, the right director of football to keep him happy or maybe enough so that you never know if we do win a trophy next year, does that mean then Kane signs a new deal when he does stick with us or... Like for me personally, I think we need to try and keep him this summer regardless. Um, I'd rather him see out his contract than even get the money because right now with the way we are, I don't trust us to necessarily spend the money correctly. Um, but yeah, man, for, for me, he just seems passionate and cares about the club. Um, and I, I would like to be able to see him stay with us for the indefinite future and hopefully we get back to happy winning ways. Christina, come around to you if I can on Harry Kane. Look, we've said a lot on this show in terms of the way the owners should take a huge amount of responsibility for not allowing Harry to achieve those trophies that he set out at Tottenham and ultimately have fouled him 
on a number of different occasions with a number of different managerial appointments. Of course, Spurs have employed, you'd say, two of the world's best at winning trophies in Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte. And neither, of course, have successfully brought trophies to the football club. I will caveat that as well and say Harry is involved in a number of semi-finals and finals and hasn't got over the line. And in some arguments, you'd say, hasn't turned up in those finals. But what I found interesting was in his interview that Harry made the point that we need to find a way to create the environment that drives success. He seems to allude to the fact that the culture at Tottenham hasn't been right. And again, I think that makes a massive point that if the culture isn't right at the football club, how can you be successful? So, intrigued to get your thoughts on that interview from Harry Kane. And again, whether you feel the timing of it seems to indicate that he may look to stay at the football club, despite the uncertainty behind the scenes of the manager and director of football and ultimately where the club is going in terms of direction. I mean, how much do you reckon Levy was behind that camera when he was doing that interview? But <laughs> it's, it, I was really shocked when I heard what he said. But at the same time, I, I do think he does care for the club. 100% he does. Otherwise, he wouldn't have lasted this long with us, you know. my I feel, like you just said, Ricky, I, feel, I do feel really sorry for him. If that guy goes on to not winning anything in his career... I would be like, I just feel like we have literally wasted one of the biggest talents at our club. Um, he's literally done so much as he, like already all these, you know, the record breaking and everything like that, even for his England career. It's just, it's unbelievable how much he has achieved like individually himself. Um, but as a club, we have failed him massively. Um, let's, but let's not forget, though, we have been involved in finals. We have, like, we can't forget that. And to be honest, in my opinion, again, he didn't really turn up in them finals either. Um, but I just, it, it, that's why I don't want to blame it just on him. It's the whole team we need to think about as well. And we needed to build that around with all the players that we had, but we didn't. And Harry Kane, obviously, being one of the main ones, we didn't help him at all. So, yeah, I... I would be very surprised if he does stay, but I got a feeling actually he will stay till the end of his contract. I would be so I would be heartbroken the day that he does leave though. Um there's no one like Harry Kane, honestly. Rick's coming around to you on these later set of quotes from this interview from Harry Kane about the culture at Tottenham. He turned around and said it's an important moment for the club to feel a connection again with the fans who I know have been frustrated with these moments. We need to try and build that relationship back up to try and push all in the same direction. Look, we make that point with Harry that, you know, this is a man that, of course, is a supporter of the football club from a very, very young boy. His family are all Spurs fans. And again, for those that of the outside like us that are wondering if the club are hearing our discontent and can understand it. I think it's clear that Harry definitely can understand that. And you've seen that by this interview. He makes the point that there needs to be a relationship rebuilt with the supporters. Give me your thoughts, Rick, on what you take away from that interview with Harry. And again, whether you feel on the basis of what he's saying, he wants to commit his long-term future, despite the complete uncertainty of the football club at the moment. First and foremost, Harry Kane's a Tottenham boy. Born and bred Tottenham boy. You know, you cut him and he bleeds blue and white. And... You see the pain on his face when it's not going the right way. You see the frustration. You, you also see him grab the team by the scruff of the neck. Not all the time, but the majority. You know, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen through Harry. And I think there's nothing more, and he said it before, there's nothing more that he would like than lifting trophies 
with Tottenham, with a cockle on his chest, do you know what I mean? In front of our fans, because as a fan growing up himself, he knows what a tough time we've had with it all. With the stigma, with the spursy, with the tags, with the bottles, with the everything that we get. I, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe every fan base feels this way, but I think we are one of the most kind of hated teams in the Premier League, you know, from other Premier League supporters. And the fact that we have a gem like Harry Kane really upsets those other supporters. You know, they all have been baying for him to leave ever since the very first season. And uh, and what was the quote at the end of that season? One season wonder. And what has he done ever since then? He's tr- He's gone on to prove everybody wrong and and kind of kill every single record going. And he's still been there every single year. He's been he's been linked with Man United, and he still starts the season with a cockerel on his chest and the number ten on his back. Do you know what I mean? So, um, for for me, I would love him, love him, love him to stay. And I kind of feel that he is hinting that the only apprehension that I get is a terrible, terrible memory um, of uh, I don't even know how to say his name anymore. Um, a centre back. That, that went to the Gooners. I won't say his name. But before the FA Cup, I think it was a semi-final. But I think it was before that. Um, I remember, I think it must have been a week or two before that. It, it, and he was a, he was going to leave on a free if he didn't sign. But he done a similar interview in the sense that everything that he was saying was pointed towards him staying um, with Tottenham. At the end of that season, he then moved across North London. And that's the only apprehension that I that I kind of have is that, like George was saying a bit earlier, is he going full kind of Tottenham and then going, guys, look, the club made a decision. They decided to take this offer. I'm going to go and everybody's going to wish him well, same way. Do you know what I mean? So that's the only apprehension that I have. And the the, the very worst idea that I could possibly have is, you know, if he does stay next season, goes on a free and then goes to Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? With Pochettino. And it's it's a terrible thought to have. And it, I think it would be worse than than the defender that went to North London. Um, I think it'd be worse than that. But um, especially because he's our talisman. He's been there for so long. Captain, record holder, you know, everything that he means to Tottenham. But if he went across and started wearing the blue of Chelsea, I think it would bloody well, you might as well just put me in the ground now. Um, I'm telling you. So, but, but everything that I kind of saw in his face and from his body language and from his tone of voice said that he wants to sort the problem and that he's been a part of the problem. Like uh, Christina was saying there earlier, he's been in finals where he hasn't technically quote-unquote shown up he hasn't had the chances or he hasn't been able to put them away he hasn't been able to kind of get the success that he and all of us want um and I think that he wants to fix that problem I think he sees it and he wants to be a part of the process of fixing that problem because I think as all of us know over the last four years especially since Poch left we've definitely lost our way and um I think he wants to fix it he wants to be a part of the solution and Let's hope that the club uh, and the board and the people that he can speak to kind of listen to him. And if they don't, re- if they don't recognise it th- themselves, and I'm sure they do at this point, but um, I-, I hope he can be a part of that solution. And I hope that he does sign 
an extra extension and he stays with us for the years to come. You were shaking your head there, George, at the thought when Ricky was saying about Pochettino and a link-up with Chelsea. I mean, Please, look, no. <laughs> and many people, again, are saying this in the comments that ultimately that would massively tarnish the man's legacy. You know, Levy has insinuated in that recent interview with the Cambridge, uh, obviously, interview that he gave that essentially Kane could have a statue and needs to consider also whether, you know, being a legend at a club would be bigger than winning trophies. I mean, for me, I can't see why he shouldn't have both. I can't see why he couldn't achieve both at Tottenham had we made the right appointments and had we given you know some real backing to that team when ultimately Spurs were on the cusp and on the brink of success. What do you think, George, in terms of, as Ricky mentions there, that concern about the Chelsea link? Do you think ultimately now it's time to prove to Harry, I don't know how many times I've, how many times I've said this, that we are ultimately very serious and we are going to do our best now to try with the next appointment to get things back on track. I feel like I've said that about four or five times. I must have done a last one, I suppose. Yeah. I Am mean, I crazy? Am I crazy? Probably. I mean, look, I, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll go to Chelsea. I think that definitely would sort of ruin his, his legacy a little bit. And I think as well, we've got to remember, I think Kane is evolving his game beautifully mm. so that he's not, mm. sometimes when we talk about him with, obviously he's only got one year left on his contract. Um, but it's, we talk as if that he's only got one year left of being at the top of his game. And I'm not being funny. I think he's he's doing what what Rooney did, but better. Being able to transition himself into a creator, not just a goal scorer. He's not relying on pace for his game or anything. So his career can last longer. Um, a lot of the time, you'd see a lot of the players that fall off quickly tend to rely on their athletic abilities a lot more. Whereas I feel like Kane is just too clever for that. And I think he'll be able to be at the top of his game for at least the next three or four years. until He's at least 34 um, especially with players getting older and older now. So I think we do need to sort of get the decisions right in the summer. Uh, like you said, we're saying this so much, but we need to we need to be able to prove to him that, look, you are going to potentially win something here. I think in my head, the only way I can see this summer playing out is it's Man United or no one for me as to where he's going to go. Because one, they're the only team that's willing to fork up the cash that we're asking for in the first place. Two, oh, I mean, I think we all need to be Liverpool fans until the end of the season and hope they get top four over Man U, so then he's less likely to go there. Um, but as well, I think a lot of people forget he's he's a Chinkford boy through and through, and he's I think he's got his fourth kill on the way. I can't see him personally moving abroad, especially if it's going to be for like two or three years, whether that's to a Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. Um, yes, he's obviously going to have a much higher chance at a Champions League trophy, but let's say Bayern Munich, for example, if they don't win the Champions League, I don't think he's going to get the same fulfilment of getting a Bundesliga there, which they do every year anyway, than to actually try and win something at the club that he's adored his whole life. And I think, again, like I said, in terms of in the Premier League, he won't go to Chelsea or Arsenal. I think that would totally ruin his legacy at Spurs. Man City obviously already have Haaland and Alvarez, so there's no room for him there. Liverpool well, arguably probably could do with a striker, but they're not going to be able to fork up the cash that we're looking for, given they're going to need a whole massive midfield overhaul in the summer. Um, and that effectively only really leaves Man United that actually need him and could afford him. So I think if we can almost get past this summer, I think it can hopefully give us next season to either really prove to him that there is something happening in this transition or even just win a trophy next year. If we win the Conference League and we win it next year, if we win the League Cup or something like that, then I think that sort of puts us on the right path to be able to convince him to sign a new contract anyway. Or the only other scenario is, is that he does sign a new contract this summer, um, but with a much lower release clause allowing him to leave um, in next summer for, for a bit of cash. Um, but yeah, I think 
for me personally, I think there's only one or two ways it's going this summer. Yeah, we shall keep an eye and obviously cool see how it pans out with Harry. Hi everyone, Crackers here with the rundown for your upcoming events. Friday the 19th of May, Hardwick AFC. Have a fundraiser evening with Dean Saunders at Hardwick Social Club in Gloucestershire. Friday the 26th of May, H2O Promotions. Have an evening with Razor Ruddock at Dartford FC. Saturday the 23rd of June, Michael Dawson is at Hereford FC for the Herefordshire Official Spurs Supporters Club. And Thursday the 14th of September, the one and only Alan Brazil is at Mumbai Square Restaurant near Liverpool Street Station in central London. That's an evening with Alan, a two-course curry meal, meet and greet and everything else you'd get with such a great evening. Please go to closeencounter.events for further details and tickets. So there you go. I'm at Mr. Cracknell across the socials where I'll put up details of all these events, posters, etc. Cheers then. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development to the platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train, and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Next up, the managerial and director of football search and how far along the lines we are with that. Christina, to open up with you. We understand Spurs chairman Daniel Levy is considering a move for Brentford technical director Lee Dykes as he looks to replace Fabio Paratigi. An appointment that could also help Julian Nagelsmann regarding the vacant managerial position. And there's been a couple of different links to actually the managing director of football this week. Spurs also linked to Jonas Spores as a number of the sporting directors Spurs are looking at. Spores is a global sporting director. And a number of clubs, including Herford Bursey, Genoa, Standard Liège and Melbourne Victory have also looked at him. Uh, there has been reported contact in the last few weeks, but nothing concrete as of yet. Now, of course, in any logical situation, you'd have the managing director or director of football appoint the manager. And at Tottenham, we're not too sure what's coming first, which does sound absolutely crazy because in any real business of any real decent succession plan, you look at the likes of Brentford and Brighton, the director of football lines up the manager because it fits intact with the philosophy. At Tottenham, we're not sure which one is coming first, which I think, again, screams to you just the utter madness behind the scenes at Tottenham. What do you think is going on behind the scenes and how do you see this panning out in both the search of the director of football and the manager at the moment? I think there's actually a lot going on at the moment. We just don't know about it. I I was talking to someone about this recently and... I actually think we might spend quite big this summer. I don't know why, but I just feel with what's happened this season, I just I think Levy is just going to fork, fork it all out. I think this season, this summer, um, with a lot of you know the Levy out sort of protests and stuff that have been going on recently, I feel like that has grown a lot, um, and I just. I, that that's what I've just had like a lot of conversations with people, and even they feel the same. They they think that we're gonna 
just try it. He's going to try and cover it up, I think, Levy. Me, I want to be positive on this. And I want to say that there is a lot going on that we have no idea about. I think it's all going to be hush-hush. Um, but I think with what's been going on this season with, like I said, Levy, I've, I've never seen so many people uh, against him. Um, and obviously, like when we saw it at the stadium with people with Levy out banners and stuff like that, and him looking like you could see on the camera when he was watching it, I just think he's going to hopefully buckle up. And But it's not even just about spending money. It's how we spend that money. Who, What are we spending it on? That's the important thing. Yeah, I mean, currently, Rich, we've got two simultaneous searches going on right now. We've got one for the director of football, slash managing director. And obviously, we've got the, the actual manager itself that we're trying to appoint. Scott Munn, of course, that starts that job, we're led to believe, very, very shortly. Although, look, he's been pictured, of course, with Daniel Levy already behind the scenes. <laughs> Don't tell that wasn't deliberate, of course. And then we got the reports that they met with Julian Nagelsmann. Give me your thoughts, Rick, on how you see those two searches panning out and when you would think we'll have some form of movement. Because, you know, we've known about Conte, you would say, his disillusionment. You'd probably say by you know early January, they were still in the job until, you know, latter of that period. Do you think we shouldn't be known as soon, Rick, even before the end of the season? Or is that being very much too optimistic? Look, I mean, it is manic, it is chaotic, it is a bit all over the place. But for me, it could be exciting at the same time. So right now, we know that we've got to like rip up the the kind of the the plan that we've had for the last couple of years with Paratici. Right, he's brought in some very good players, right, of a different quality. So we know Romero, we know Bentancourt, Kalazewski, Poro. Now Yadoji looks like a good prospect. Yeah, I still think there's something in Brian Hill as well, um, but obviously to come. And I think that with a loan or two and some regular game time, I think Saar could turn into something. So there has been, a, there was an increase in quality in which we've got. Before we, before Paratici, we normally kind of bargain, you know, opportunities. That was the word that we always hear, the buzzword of opportunities. The downside of Paratici was obviously the managerial search. I mean, Guy and Fanuno is one thing you know that's that's a mistake in itself Gattuso as well we we forgot about that um you know the whole Fonseca thing where you brought him in you was about to give him drugs then you're like nah we don't want it no more you know um the 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 Ten Hag so just before Paratici came in we, we were speaking to Ten Hag but he didn't have enough charisma um so we didn't go for him but ended up with Nuno, which makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I don't think so. Um so what I'm saying is is that it could be really exciting to actually go for your number one managerial target, and let's just for high, just for for an example, and just for for the dream of it, let's say it is Nagelsmann, and then you can speak to Nagelsmann about the director of football that he wants to work alongside, or he can work alongside, that that um, is in tune with his philosophy, the way that he wants to play, and that is in tune with how the club want to play so therefore you can get everybody all on the same page and kind of announce them together and kind of go this is how we're moving forward so for me it could be really exciting and when we talk about the announcement like Christina said there I think there is a lot going on behind the scenes you can see like we said we saw that picture of Scotty Munn and uh, Daniel Levy jumping on the plane going to Germany to speak to whoever they were speaking to so the work has already begun and to me, it's either going to be in the last week of the season or the week afterwards. And I'm hoping it, that's the time bracket because we haven't got time to waste. 
you know, um, you know, the the transfer window then opens. We, we've got to start working on pre-season. We've got to start working out who's going, who's being sold, who's going on loan. There's so many things that need to be sorted. So it could be a really exciting time to announce both your number one managerial candidate, let's say, for example, Nagelsmann, and then your number one director of football, let's say, for argument's sake, uh, Ragnik, right? Uh, and them two coming together, they've worked together, they know each other, then they know how to fix Tottenham. They can kind of bring in their philosophy, get them entrenched in the Tottenham way and all of the history and all of the, all of the ways that we like to play and what we want to see going forward and how we can get success with that style of play and those style of players. And then it could be a really exciting summer for the whole club. And that's what I'm trying to look at right now. Now, look, Rick, you know, I always love your positivity here. I've got to say this, that, you know, ultimately, George, this is you off air. It's probably the first time uh, during a managerial search, definitely in my time I doing last one on Spurs, where it sounds awful saying this, but I don't know if I'm actually genuinely excited for it. I've seen the club, you know, go through now, you know, Mourinho, and of course, Conte, two managers that I was really, really excited about initially about coming in, winning trophies and changing the mentality and the DNA at Tottenham. And my biggest concern is that ultimately, whoever comes in, is that going to massively change what happens at the top? That's probably the question I want to ask. You know, whoever you're going to appoint, whether it be manager, director of football, whoever those may come in. Because this is the thing now, isn't it? Conte said you can appoint, you know, 15 managers, nothing's going to change. And I think that is a point where this time around, ultimately, we're relying on Daniel Levy to make a choice that is going to give us some optimism and hope. But we have been here before and we are there again, George. So is there a reason that you feel that we should be optimistic about whoever we're going to appoint this summer? Yeah, I mean, look, it's tough because uh, I've said it a bunch of times, but I feel like current board and ownership as well that they've maybe been too too involved with a lot of footballing decisions um and that might have happened in the past again like you say bringing in the shiny names of Mourinho and Conte which I'm going to be totally honest I loved at the time I thought it was like it felt like a almost like a big step up for the club but obviously you can just look in hindsight about you know the the rigidity of Conte's system the fact is he's quite stubborn with the way he wants his team to play which is look it's clearly worked for him in the past and I thought he might have been able to get Spurs into a winning way with it but at the end of the day with the current ownership we have we we just aren't willing to give him the players to play his uh, specific way um to the extent of being able to win the big trophies that Conte wanted to win um, which I thought at that time maybe we would have done. Maybe we would have brought in the players. And again, I feel like we felt short, fell short on some top targets. But I agree with what 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 um, what Ricky said that that you know the some of the players from Paratici I actually think have been great signings, especially compared to to previous years. Um, definitely, I think what's different this time is like for me, like I've said that Nagelsmann will be my number one choice right now, and then you've got Ranić effectively twerking for the job in his interview by saying that like look. Look, uh, you know, Nagelsmann's available and he needs to work with the director of football to play his, like, do this, that and the other. And I'm like, they're effectively both calling for the job. They've worked well together in the past. Nagelsmann's a young manager. You can bring, bring uh, back him in a project. The thing that I like the most about him, if you're going to compare him to Conte Mourinho, is yes, you could argue that he's sort of a big name now, but the difference is he is very, very, very flexible in the way he plays in his formation. So, and he said in interviews in the past that his, his way of football is all about more the philosophies. He has certain 
patterns and movements that he likes and plays in certain ways, but he alters his formations at every club. At Leipzig, he was playing three at the back, but then four back on occasions. He was playing a 4-2-3-1 at Bayern Munich. He was playing a different formation at Hoffenheim. And the fact that he brought Hoffenheim from almost relegation to Champions League at, is, at such a young age is a massive achievement. So he's already proven that he actually can do good things on a budget. But then again, looking back at Leipzig, the combination of him and Ranić, a lot of what, especially what Rangit does, is very data-driven, which is probably something we didn't really do under under Conte and Mourinho. And it's certainly benefiting the likes of Brighton at the moment. A lot of what they do in their scouting um, and recruitment system is very data-driven. Same with Brentford. And look, they've reaped their rewards so far this season uh, that way. And to the point where Chelsea have actually nabbed a lot of Brighton staff because they're trying to copy that very system. So I think as well as that, I think Daniel Levy appointing Scott Munn is probably a, is probably a big deal, and people that are underestimating because, in theory, it should be that Daniel Levy is no longer making the footballing decisions. He obviously needs to sign off on the checks, but at least Scott Munn can be effectively the head of recruitment for the director of football role, for the manager role, and make sure they fit like a glove. Because at the moment, it seemed like Paratic and Conte was probably the only fit together, and they wouldn't really work with anyone else. Um, so I think it can be exciting under those two, um, especially if they are able to, you know, take this data-driven philosophy, play attacking football, and you, you don't then need to sign big players for seventy million a piece to to play their way of football. And I think that's there is room for excitement there. It's just whether we can get that over the line or not. I mean, listen, Nagelsmann is a name that is screaming out. I know between Ricks and to Jules there. Another name that's been mentioned, of course, is Arnie Slot. We understand Finald are making a strong attempt to renew his contract. Although, again, conflicting reports seem to suggest that Slot is actively pushing for a move to Spurs. He is on the verge of winning the Eredivisie with Fionor, which is no mean feat given how big Ajax are and what they've done, obviously, in Holland over the last four or five years. You've got to remember, you know, we've been in dire straits many a times over our history, okay? When Harry Redknapp turned up, we was at the bottom of the league. We didn't win for I don't know how long. There was, there was possibilities of of relegation and everything was all up in the air but he came in he transformed the side and then suddenly he was being linked with the best sides including England um, in the league all right so he was being you know we've always had this thing about as soon as a manager does well they're about to be poached same with Martin Yo. he started doing well and then suddenly he's about to be poached and we was trying to hold on to him and then he got sacked at half time do you know what I mean and same with Pochettino as soon as Pochettino started doing well at Tottenham because nobody expects us to do well. Nobody expects us to go and push and to compete, right? Which we have missed. We've missed competing. As well as the style of football, we've missed competing for the highest honours, believing that we can go up against anybody and, and, and win in, in whatever competition. So as well as there being a risk of reputation, there is also the kind of opportunity to enhance your reputation in in an uh, in an astronomical way because if you can do it at Tottenham then oh my gosh do you know what I mean like you must be you know I don't oh, I was gonna swear I was gonna <laughs> say the dogs uh, you must be the dogs I can say that everybody knows what I'm saying right but you you must be astronomical you must be next level for you to take that side from where they was and to, for for them to be pushing and and kind of going on to the next level and then so there there, there is that risk of ruining your reputation but there's also that risk of enhancing your reputation you're right and kind yeah. of yeah. And, and, for, and for being the one that turned the ship around 
when yep. nobody else could, including Mourinho and including Conte. What we are going to do, we are going to go for our final break of the show here for our listeners on audio. Taking that break, you're going to hear from Paddy for the love of the Paul McGrath podcast, who gives us an Aston Villa view ahead of the game, of course, on Saturday. Paddy here from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Looking forward to the game on Saturday. Should be an absolute dinger. It's a proverbial cup final for both teams, I think. Uh, if one team were to lose it, I think the possibility of Europe falls by the wayside, especially for us. Although we do have Liverpool waiting in the long grass for us the following week. So it's a huge game for us uh, in, our, in our play to uh, to get European football. Long overdue, long starved of it in our club. Um, both teams on pretty much a, a poor run, although you, you did uh, turn things around last weekend against Palace. Um, it's going to be a tough one for us. I'm really not hopeful at all. Um, just seem to have ran out a bit of steam. Ten games unbeaten, and then we're we're just uh, struggling along here now. So, um, I'm expecting a tough game. I'm expecting the usual suspects: Javier, Son, Kane, to to have a good go off us on Saturday. Where we can get at you is hopefully at the back. I think there's a soft centre there. Um, it's just a question of now, have we got it in our legs to go and do that? Um, we have thankfully got what looks like the, the four guys back. We saw uh, Kamara, we saw Matty Cash is going to be back this week. We saw Diego Carlos make his long away to return at the weekend. And then uh, um, we have Leon Bailey coming back in. So there, there's options there, but I think I think there's a lot, a lot of... Uh, a lot of energy gone from that 10-game 10, 10 run where we more or less went to the well with the te- same players for the 10 games. So uh, not expecting much from the weekend, but we just never know. We, we've got we've got a manager now who's capable of um, of turning things around, as, as we've seen after a poor start uh, under Steven Gerrard to come into this and be uh, be where we are now is, is almost unbelievable. So... We'll we'll be there fighting despite the fact we were we're coming off the back of, of two defeats, um two games where we failed to score for the first time in twenty games. So we scored in the first twenty games under Rune Emery. As I said, we were ten unbeaten since we, we lost to Arsenal in February. We were we went ten unbeaten before losing to Man United and and deservedly to Wolves last weekend. So uh three games left, three cup finals. As I said, we we've Liverpool next week and then Brighton on the last day. So it's all very tight around those European places. Um, not expecting any major shocks in the team. We might see, we might see Bubakar Kamara come back in to, to hold that midfield, um, probably at the expense of Bertrand Traore and John McGinn resorting to the wide right position that he has been occupying. And we'll probably see uh, Watkins up front with either Buendia or Bailey or Traore, whatever, whatever our uh, magician of a manager decides to do. Um, enjoy the game at the weekend. As I said, I'm not expecting much. Um, my my heart, unfortunately, says we're going to lose this one two one. My head uh, is is much the same. Um, although we did we did have that magical day on New Year's Day where we turned you over without even breaking a sweat. So, um, that's the only thing in the back of my mind that gives me some bit of hope to to getting uh, something out of this weekend. Thanks for having me on, guys. Up the villa. George, we're going to open up this section with you ahead of Aston Villa to come. Now, Spurs, of course, remaining in sixth place in the Premier League. 
following that unbelievable result which we saw Brighton being smashed for 5-1 against Everton on Monday evening. It means Spurs will be hoping to maintain their position in the top six come the end of the season and try and tie up a Europa League place in the process. This game very much the battle for Europe where Villa have gone at the moment on a bit of a poor run of form at a time where you hope Dr Tottenham isn't going to take effect. Give me your thoughts, George, ahead of this game at the weekend against Aston Villa and how you feel Spurs will fare. It's Look, listen, it's going to be a tough game, no matter what. One, because obviously we've not necessarily been playing the best recently. Obviously, Crystal Palace was a good turning point for us. Um, but I think as well, since Emery's come into to Villa, I think he's he's got Ollie Watkins fire, fired up and he looks like a, almost a new man now um, in that Villa side. And I think just tactically, he's done a great job there. But I think, look, we, we've sort of hit... I was really worried a couple of weeks ago, but I think we're hitting them at the right time. Watkins has blanked in a couple of weeks. They've had a couple of dodgy results recently as well. Um, especially was it losing to Wolves 1-0 most recently. So, look, listen, the game is, is is there to be won. And I feel like I'd be extremely disappointed if we didn't end up getting a win. It will not be easy. Look, like, they ruined Doherty's career last 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 year going there. It, it's, it can be a tough crowd at times as well. But I've got some uh, fond memories of Sonny getting a winner a couple of years ago. So, look, it's, it's definitely possible. Um I'm just looking forward to see a little bit more of of maybe some Mason tinkering as well. Um, either either he keeps it the same that won the game last week, or you know what, he even shows his ability even more and he switches it up again and, and uh, actually plays to the team and, and our strengths a bit more than just you know sticking with with one system. So that bit I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it's going to be a very tough game. I can only see us if we're winning. It's, it's going to be probably by one goal. Okay, George, you got a prediction for this one? We got a clean sheet last time. I don't think we'll get one again. I'd say a 2-1 Spurs win. Okay, interesting. George, love to have you back on. We'll be closing it before, obviously. Pleasure to be uh, your chance to give us your socials as well. Uh, yeah, Christina, coming around to you. Villa, you know, they've only won one in their last four uh, and only scored two goals there as King Huddle gives us the very kind reference. I mean, I think before they were on a 10-game winning run, I do just wonder as, uh, again, King Huddle reads my mind and says, Dr. Tottenham to see you now. I mean, what do you think about this? <laughs> I think, yeah. I, oh, God. I've got high hopes um, for us to actually win. I don't know why, what's going over me. But, yeah, I, I'll, my prediction would be a 2-1, a really close 2-1. Um, and I just think Emerson Royale will be the man of the match for that as well. There you go. On form. Ritz, come around to you. Look, they have been utterly transformed under Uno Emery. You have to say that. And, again, I'll say this, that had he not been the manager of Arsenal at some point during his career. I wonder how far up the list he would be on the Spurs managerial candidate list, given, you know, his achievements in Europe and what he's done with Seville. When you look at what he's done with Aston Villa, where he's quite frankly, utterly transformed their season. They were literally in a relegation battle or heading that way under Gerrard. He's come in there and he had them in the conversation only a couple of games ago, even for the top four. That's how remarkable the turnaround was. Of course, Villa were outsiders for the top four, but the fact that Villa are even in the conversation for Europe is Utterly remarkable, given where Villa were under Gerard when he came. And he has done an absolutely incredible job of turning them around. And I have to also say that I'm actually dreading this game. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. I think Emery's proved himself to be a really tactically astute manager at the second time of Arsenal. I know many fans at Arsenal didn't feel he was up to the task. But, you know, I, you know, I, I won't be easy for Tottenham. Our away record at the moment, we've won five of the last 17 away games. We've conceded 35 goals. We're winless in eight. 
losing six and conceding 10 goals in the last two against Liverpool and Newcastle. I know George and Christian have been very positive there. I'm probably asking the right man to be negative, really, in you. But how do you see this playing out, Rick, at Villa Park on Saturday? Firstly, I think that I think Emery coming in shows you what a good manager with a clear idea and a clear ethos when he's allowed to go to work, how much that can change a falling like a stone side. Do you know what I mean? So if if we are, as Spurs fans, looking for green shoots, I, I mean, take that as an example. When you've got somebody who comes in that can actually kind of go to work and put his ideas and have something clear, a clear idea of what to do and what to achieve, how things can change and how quickly they can change. So I would take that as a, as a bit of inspiration for us too. I agree with you that it's going to be, and agree with the panel, that it's going to be, a, it is a tough game. They've got pace all over uh, the, the park. They've got, you know, some youth. They've got good players in there. And, and now they've got a good manager in there that, that they believe in and that they're following, especially the comparison to under Gerard. There was a totally, it was a totally different Villa side. So we are going to go up against a tough Aston Villa side. But for me, and, you know, I'm not going to be negative, but for me, after that 1-0 win um, against Palace, I think the boys will be buzzing. I think they they will be happy that, that at least Mason got a win because you can see them pushing and playing for him. There's a lot to kind of achieve for Tottenham right now. There's some that are playing for their places as well. You know, um, there's some that want to be in the shop window. There's, there, there's a lot of things going for us right now. And I think that we are going to put together a side that is going to go out there and go for it. You know, uh, we, we've seen our side collapse many a time. We've seen us uh, us play in our own half many a time. We've seen us do tikka-taka with the keeper many a time. You know what I mean? Put ourselves under pressure many a, many a time. But I just don't see that happening this week. I see us going out there and I see us kind of um, progressing and building on whatever week of work that was before Palace. I see them going in and with a win, and with a bit of confidence to kind of go, oh, no, you know what, Mace? You do have a good idea. I do understand what you're trying to say. And I, I'm starting to believe in what you're, what you're trying to implement. I think they can push on a little bit more. And I think it's going to be really exciting because, like you said, it's the battle for Europe right now. And, um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's probably the last opportunity for those group of players to be in a game that actually means something. You know, we've we've been in many a games and every time that we drop off, we're like, oh, well, that's it. The season's over. Oh, well, that's it. The season's over. Some of us didn't want Europe at all. Some of us do want Europe, you know, but they've got something to achieve. And like Harry and like Davies has, has said as well, you know, you can't disrespect any competition that we're in. So if they've got Europa League to aim for and to push for and to play for, then I think they're going to go out there and try and put a be- the, the, their best foot forward and kind of go out there. And for me, I, I see us winning like a good... I mean, I know both Georgie and Christina said two ones. But for me, it's either going to be a 3-0 or a 3-1. For, for me, you know. <laughs> and, I, I, and, look, I can't wait to look, see it. I can't wait. He has had those happy feels, did he? I, I'm happy being a delusional Tottenham fan sometimes. And I'm ha- I'll never back us to lose. All of you guys know that. Yeah. But I just see us pushing forward a little bit because they've okay. got this their last game for them to go out there and show us what they're about and to give us something back. So I think that that's what they're going to go out there and do. Okay, interesting. Well, Thanks, just, just very quickly, just like I think, just on that, I think what we're forgetting sometimes as well is that we've got a lot of our players back from injury. I think that's what was the good yeah. thing about Palace game is 
obviously in the tough week that we had prior to that, like we were still missing Longley Davis. Uh, Basuma is now obviously back. He was on the bench the other day and he's, he's potentially could feature this weekend. Um, and obviously Emerson again, coming back and having a masterclass. I think we've, it's good to actually have a squad there where you feel like you're not necessarily stuck to playing one way because realistically we were just stuck with Perisic at left back. So we were only stuck with one system and playing a certain way. And I think now we've got a, a little bit of a healthier squad, obviously still missing the main man, Ventacore, but now they have a bit of a healthier squad. I think there's there's room to sort of look forward to the game a little bit more and you know, mm. hopefully see a better better run of games and better style of play from us. Absolutely. George, final question I'm going to ask you, Europe or no Europe? Look, if I'm being honest, and I've said this to, to everyone, I said personally no Europe. Only because I think for me, when if it's just in the exact situation we're in right now, um, considering we need the rebuild, I think you forget with these Europa League and Europa Conference League fixtures, it's tough. It's tough runnings, man. You're playing two or three times a week for a lot of the season, especially if you go deep into the competitions. And it always doesn't go the way people think. I think a lot of a lot of people's ideal situation is that oh, but if we're in these European competitions, we can play the youth and maybe see a bit more of them. But at the end of the day, when we do that and we swap out the teams a little bit, fans then get extremely frustrated because we're not winning these games and we should be winning these competitions. Okay, so then you're asking to play the first team again. And if you're playing the first team three times a week, two times a week, you're then you're being very detrimental to the, the domestic cups in the league. So I think right now for me personally, purely because we're in this big, big transition phase of a new manager, a new system needs to be played, maybe new director of football, new players. I would rather just be out of Europe so that we can focus domestically, focus on the cups in the league and really spend the training during the week to implement their ideas. I think that's the main issue we sort of had when Conte first came in. We obviously still had Europe and he even said himself in these presses that he doesn't actually get time with the players to work on his ideas. It's always preparation for the next game, rest the day. Preparation for the next game, rest the day. So that's the only reason why I'd say no Europe. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm not going to complain if we do end up in Europe League or Conference League. George, pleasure as always, mate. Where can we find you across the socials and love having you always back on last one on Spurs? Yeah, man, love being here. Appreciate uh, you inviting me back on. And it's just, it's George Achille across everything. YouTube, obviously, it's been a bit slow recently, but we'll be back on it soon. And uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram. We'll be TikTok, back. He'll be back. Once the manager back. comes, he'll be back. Thank you so much. Christina, same question to you. Europe or no Europe? And where can we find you across the socials? No Europe for me. I want a fresh start, completely fresh start for Tottenham now. And I'm just on Twitter, basically. <laughs> Or on here. <laughs> Bless you. Listen, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank and you. And Rich, to close it with you, I don't believe Ricky Norwood's going to tell me he does not want European football. I can see his face. There's no way he's going to tell me. Come on, Rich, let's close it with you, bruv. What are you going to say? What are you going to tell me? I'm going to say Europe, bro. I'm going to say Europe. Are you going to say and, Europe? And, to, and, like and, and, you know, you know for, for, for me, it's like, you know, there's a difference between Europa League and Europa Conference League or the checker trade, as Jace likes to call it. There is a big difference. But with with the squad that we have, with the size of the squad that we have, we have to have a bit more about rotation. And we can keep a core element of the side going in. And as soon as you're winning, you can start to rotate. We've got five subs as well. Do you know what I mean? And I do think that learning throughout the games it, it, it is something. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think we can disrespect any trophy competition. I think, you know, if we're in it, I think we should go for it. You know, whichever which way that is, and and 
you know, so winning breeds winning. So if, if we can get onto a roll of things, then fantastic. And if you look at the games that we've had this season, you know, the beginning of the season, we was, we was playing every two, three days. And that was just so that we could have the World Cup at Christmas. And then, we, you, you know, so there's been a, there's been a, a constant of games going left, right and centre. So I, I'm hoping that after a summer, after a proper pre-season with a new manager and a clear philosophy that we can go into the season with Europe and go out there and show us what we're about. Because we're owed some good nights in Europe. It's been, it's been dire straits for the last, I don't know how long, four years three, four years. So, you know, we, we need to make up for Slavia Prague and, and Ferrero oh, Rocher and, and, uh, and Vitesse and, uh, you know, and a lot of... Carrier them, bag. You know, Don't it, do it to me. Yeah, carrier bag. I forgot about Lucas Mura. Them, oh, yes, God. No, them as well. Lucas Mura. Um, yeah, you know, so uh, Paco Rabanne, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I, I, I think it, that we could use it to our benefit and yeah. to the squad's benefit as, as well as keeping our core. Do you know what I mean? And using those yeah. five subs to, our, to, to, to our advantage. So I, 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 I just think it's, for, for me, it's just, I think we've, I, I, it's only because maybe I've just been burnt too many times of like this hope you. of like, oh, we're in Europa League, we're in Europa Conference League, we should be winning these competitions and then we just don't get anywhere near. I think that's what it's like. I've just been burnt too many times with, with those. But yeah. I hear so, you, bro. I do. Rick's pleasure as always. Where can, where, oh, I don't know, anyone doesn't know where to find you. Where can they find you, Rick? <laughs> you know where to find me. I'll probably be on here. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Or on Twitter. Um, of course. At, uh, at Ricky J Nord, which is down there somewhere. On Instagram, which I have been a little bit slow on, actually. I've got to get posting again. Bloody <laughs> Um That's uh, official Ricky Norwood. So, uh, yeah, jump on, follow me, and you'll see us on the shows chatting about Tottenham at some point. Absolutely top man. Listen, from all of us here, from Christina, from George, from Ricks, guys, we've been the last one on Spurs. We'll be back with you on Saturday evening for a post-match reaction to Aston Villa in the battle for Europe. God, that's where it's come to this season. From us all, please keep safe, keep well. And as always, thank you for all your support and come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.